I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today is Dr. Alicia Giron, who is visiting South Africa from Mexico, where she is coordinating the program for Asian and African Studies of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. And she's giving a series of talks, one of which is titled Women and Financialization, Microcredit Institutional Investors. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Amalia. We are very happy, and this is my first time in South Africa, so I am enjoying a lot. I am honored to be visiting all your country, especially Johannesburgo, and it impressed me a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more about the reason for your visit? Well, uh, the reason is because I am in charge of this program of Asian and African Studies, and because we, as UNAM, uh, UNAM means UNAM, it's National University Autonomous of Mexico, we have an office here in Witzwaters-Ran University, which is called the Mexican Center, South Africa, and it is part of our internationalization uh, program of UNAM. So, I came here to work in a link with academics and researchers, so how we can do uh, researchers on both sides, comparing uh, Mexico and South Africa under the umbrella of the Global South. And it's a relatively new establishment, the the Center for Mexican Studies at WITS. Yes, it is very new. It's, it, even it doesn't have one year. It is... Uh, it has already born. It's a little baby. Uh, but at the same time, the program that I'm coordinator, it was created first uh, five years ago as a seminar of Asian studies. And later on, two years ago, uh, our university decided to create this program of Asia and African studies. And, well, the relation is very interesting, the relation between Africa and Asia, but at the same time, the relation with Latin America and Mexico, we are just the same. That's why I was very impressive to be in Johannesburg, because it is like being in Mexico City. Yes, we have many similarities uh, in, in culture, in how we interchange products, the markets, the people, how they move in the streets, the taxis that we call combis. We have just very similar uh, combis like, like yours. And, well, it's, uh, we are just very, we are like sisters and brothers in a big family. And I, I like that expression where you said the global south. So we're, c- <coughs> we're connected. We're just in, in the southern hemisphere doing similar things. Yes, we are connected, in, but it's not the, the south hemisphere. I have an economic explanation. After the Second War, and especially in, in Africa, they became many independent countries. But the link that all the um, countries that we have in the global south is that we had been... Uh, I don't know if it's in English is inserted. I don't know because my English is not very good. Uh, we have been inserted in policies that came from the International Monetary Fund. So as the same, we have had the regulation of economic and financial process. As we see in South Africa, you also have the same financial changes. And even South Africa, 
You are from the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And Mexico, it isn't in the BRICS. And said, hmm. But this was a concept invented during the 90s by Goldman Sachs because these countries were growing very fast. And that's why they put the name of the BRICS. So we are not, but at the same time, we are part of the emergent countries. And also very interesting, we are part of the G20 So that's why we, I think we are not only of the global south, we are also an emerging country. We are in the G20. And the economic policies that we have had during the last years, that's why we have many similarity in our both countries. Looking at those parallels, I know that one of the talks that you're giving is women in financialization. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, You know that microcredit has been the flag to be the empowerment for women. Even in the Agenda 2030, we have the number five, which is gender equality. Yes, gender equality. Yeah. So uh, this is not new, but since the 90s, we have had a lot of transformations in our financial market. And since we lost the development banks, One of the tools to have development had been microfinance institutions. And of course, microfinance institutions are very related with the international financial markets, as Citibank, as Dresdner Bank, as the French banks, the big, big ones. So this is very interesting because when they talk about microcredit, you think that they are little microfinance institutions. And one of the flags of development since all these, the regulation of economic and finance is that women must be empowered. So the best thing to be empowered is to have a microcredit and found your own enterprise. So, but they never relate the microcredit with the profits that have the microfinance institution and also the interest rate that women pay to these microfinance institutions. So financialization means that whatever you have in finance is related to these big financial circuits around the world that are managed by those two big banks, but by also by the financial investors. So if all the women that don't work We'll have a salary. We will improve the global economy. Well, okay, I agree. I prefer to work than being in my home washing dishes. Well, getting paid work because labor in the home, I think, is still work, That's but it's unpaid. That's a big problem. The big problem, and that is the care economy. What In the feminist economics, we, we talk about care economy. Now the care economy, the governments don't want to pay The, the care economy. And what does that mean, care economy? Care common economy is that if you as woman want to have unemployment, because employment also is a human right, where do you put your children? And the government is the responsibility of the government to make the care economy. And this is part of a policy. It's a public policy to give care for the children and also for your parents, because now parents live more 
And so you've got the the young generation, which is the future, but you've got the old generation, which is already given to the state and the economy uh-huh. that still needs to be cared for. Yes, and sometimes said that oh oh they oh woman oh they are in their home they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's and she's like the sandwich. Yes, in and the middle. Yes, and you don't you you are not going to have a if you want to retire you just can't retire because you don't have a pension. Public policies are very important, but they must have a gender view. Bangladesh is the experiment that they have done with microcredit, especially for women. And being something which <coughs> is um, in, in in the best interest of women, as opposed to being penalized by higher interest, would you say that the Bangladesh model is is a good one? This is a very good question because, well, is it good or is not good? I think it depends because it is good if a woman can afford the microcredit and if they uh, pass to another phase in, 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 in their class. It's a means to development. To, to development. But microcredit doesn't improve access to water and it doesn't improve health and it doesn't improve a school for your children. Why? Because that is the responsibility of the state. The problem here is when you have all this deregulation of financial process, and sorry that I insist a lot in these deregulation policies, the way we used to have development is because we have public banks. And in that time, at least in Mexico, during 22 years, we have development banks we created a middle class and we improve better and we have better schools for our children and better universities. What happened after the crisis, since the 76 devaluation of the, our money, the peso stock market in 1986-1987 and then the banking crisis 1995, we have lost the development banks. So all the banks are private and of course, they want to give microcredit, but they are not a charity fund. No, no it's, it's commercial. It is a, a commercial. The problem is that profits that they used to have with these microfinance institutions, the interest rate is very high, higher than in a commercial bank. And why the, uh, the woman or the poor people doesn't go to a to a commercial bank because you need a, an ID, you need a collateral, and the microcredit, you don't have that. And microfinance said, well, we need to charge more because it is very... A higher risk. In, it is very higher risk, instability, and so I have to type. So this this is a problem. Of course, we want to work. I, we know that we can improve because we will have more income for our families, and that is good. But the problem is that the collateral must be the state, and the state must improve and put a lot of money in not only in care economy, but only in the infrastructure. And that's what I need. To make things sustainable. So it's one part in terms of being able to develop yourself, to develop a livelihood, grow yourself economically. But you need the support from the state on infrastructure to provide those services that you want, whether it's education for your children, whether it's having access to to health facilities, etc. You spoke briefly about crises and you you went through periodically from from 76. 
And your topics of, of research include financial economics, uh, particularly related to economic cycles, financial crises, sovereign debt, financial systems, as well as uh, gender economics, which we've touched on briefly. Bearing in mind gender variables in terms of the way women perceive the world, how they act and behave, and how men um, reciprocate. I recall reading an interesting article at around about 2008 on the Wall Street collapse where they they spoke about comparing the behavior of of people in various positions and correlating that with gender. So whether it was a market trader, CEOs, policymakers in in the year leading up to the, the market collapse. And they said that categorically comparing men to women, men were making significantly more risks and contributing to these unavoidable results in comparison to women. So given your experience in this space, what's your opinion? (laughs) Well, I think, yes, because even uh, there was a a phrase that said, uh, what will happen if instead of being Lehman Brothers, it will be Lehman Sisters. (laughs) Don't you remember that? And then, well, maybe maybe we wouldn't reach too much. Maybe we'd still have Lehman Sisters. (laughs) Lehman Sisters. (laughs) No, yes, I, I think it's different. That's why gender is very important when you make analysis. Because, of course, even if you don't want to be a feminist, there are different perspectives from a man and from a woman. And I think this is like a new uh, feminist economics view because all, most of the, when you talk about woman is anthropology view, no? Literature, uh, literature, philology, history, but not only the part of the labor, because of course, one of the things that is very important that after the the devaluation of the peso during the 70s, and also this was all Latin America, uh, uh, many women, many women, m- they they have to go to the labor market. They had no choice. No choice because the the if there is and they have no choice because they have to to improve the income of the family and then it is very interesting how women go to the to the mar- to the labor market and at the same time the family change hi this is lira south african afro soul singer and songwriter you're listening to womanity women in unity presented by dr amelia malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we are talking to Dr. Alicia Giron, who is visiting South Africa from Mexico, where she is coordinating the program for Asian and African Studies of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. I noted from your bio that you were a member of the high panel on women's economic empowerment of the United Nations. And a few months ago, in fact, just in December, we hosted the Deputy Secretary General of the UN, Amina Mohammed, And we were talking about sustainable development goals and in particular 
goal number five, which is obviously speaking mm-hmm. to equality and empowerment of, of women and girls. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the high-level panel that you were involved with? Well, I was president of the International Association for Feminist Economics, mm-hmm. IAFE. And then when I finished, it was in 2015, at the end of the 2015, I received an email from IAFE, the IAFE secretary, that they want my telephone, that United Nations want my telephone. So I just tell them that they send me an email. No, 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 they want to talk with you. Oh, well, okay, give them the telephone. And so I, I just couldn't understand why they uh, invite me. And it was an invitation of Ban Ki-moon because he decided that to create this high-level panel for moon economic empowerment. So, well, it was a surprise for me. I always say that sometimes, because when you are from the South and you are Latin American, Mexican, well, sometimes they want, you know, in United Nations, they want... Very the diversity representation. Yes, yes. <laughs> so when I arrived there, and really, it was a wonderful uh, experience. I love a lot to be there, but it was very difficult to put in one of the papers at the end the microfinance and the financiation. That microcredit, the interest rates are very high, and they said, Alicia. The shareholders won't like that. But in the end, I could put in a little note. So I was really, I was really surprised. And of course, I was very happy to be there. But at the same time, I have been a little bit uh, critical to this uh, agenda because to achieve the, the goals of the Sustainable Development Goals, you must invest a lot and the state must invest a lot in that policies. And I think the key word to them is sustainable. It's not sustainable if you are charging people who are poor excessive interest rates. It's not sustainable if the system is not working together to become self-sufficient. Yes, so so how how can you achieve that? How how can how how can it be sustainable? The thing is that one of the words that is behind the agenda 2030 and we have to improve is shareholders and s- stakeholders, which is it is very important and because this is a private uh, and also in a capitalist system that is all around the world, profits is very important. So what we need is that the states regulate not only the market, but only the companies. I'm not. I. I don't want to say that they have to oppose. No, 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 no. A better regulations, and also have a big government government to invest in care economy, in education, in health and infrastructure. So you have a whole holistic. Yes, it's a, it's a big package. Yeah, it's it's uh, systems thinking and interconnectivity are across the ecosystem right the way right the way through a little bit towards a, an aside of of what we we're talking about but but something i wanted to ask nonetheless is that there's been this wave of movements from me too to times oh. up and they they highlight the extent of of sexual harassment and we've got lots of hollywood actresses talking about um, being victims of of harassment something 
though for me that's that's coming out as almost a negative consequence of this and impacting on women's opportunities is that some men are saying, well, actually, we don't want to work with women anymore because (laughs) I don't want to be uh, construed or or put into a predicament where someone is saying and making accusations of me. Mm -hmm. So let me rather just not appoint women. Let me not be in a, a meeting room where it's just me and a woman. It's changing the whole culture and and ethos. And I I wondered from your perspective, again, if this is something that you're observing or indeed what what it's like in Mexico, if this movement came up or or didn't surface. Well, we have a program in UNAM, uh, of course, about gender. And the other day, the secretary of the, how say, sindicato, the because we are in a sindicato, uh, in union. The, she's a woman. We have two unions, one of the administratives and, also, and the other for the academic. And she was telling, oh, Alicia, oh, Alicia, oh, what a problem. We just can't, um, how to say, fire all these professors and all that. I don't know what to do. What I think is that we have to change the interrelations between men and women. I have a group of millennials that work with, uh, and they are aware of that. But 30 years ago or four decades ago, while I was beginning my university, you weren't aware of that. It was like, oh, my God, you were always upset. But you don't go and declare that that was... uh, it, it was a challenge that you, yes. you you didn't talk about. No, you don't talk about, and they put their hand where they don't put it. It was like, oh, no, you ha- you don't stop it. So I think it's a, a cultural change. I think it is a cultural change, but at the same time, we must uh, we must understand why was that, and maybe as soon as new generations. Uh, work more together between men and women this will finish but it is a prob- it's a it is a cultural it is the way our parents how they educated brothers and sisters and they came from from home but at the same time all these patriarchal um Everywhere you see, it, it is incredible. No, even in because it is not only for uh, underdeveloped countries; it's also for developed countries. So, uh, it, it, even people of upper class that you think they are not going to have, maybe the violence inside at, at home is worse than in the, in in a, in a in a rural. So, it is. I think it is changing. I see it is a good mo- uh, mm. it's a good movement, but we have to it it has to take uh, a little bit of time to change that. I remember that when when began the Me Too, um, Catherine Deneuve said that Americans were crazy because they don't like that for, to flirt, no, and all that. Well, it de- it depends, but uh, we have to be aware. Of, of this culture, but we have to teach men how to relate with, with women and with more respect. 
No, there's a few things that, that you've mentioned. One from earlier in the conversation, the point of globalization. Mm. Another aspect about culture and with globalization, we've got all of these different cultures yes. permeating and this massive mix. And then the third component is generations. I think that in the world that we live in now, we have got multiple generations. We're talking about the care economy and sort of like the, the geriatric society. We've got very young people. So you've got all of these generations trying to create a harmony in one yes. era. Yes, and you know what, what? What is very important that we are we are not saying is the the green movement. It is this is incredible. I was in Argentina and I had my handkerchief. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't put my handkerchief at home, no, but <laughs> with my daughters because they, my mama is you are crazy, no. But it is very it is a social movement very interesting, and it they it was in Ireland and then in Argentina, and then in Argentina they explain us when they pass the camera the deputies camera is because the president that has very low rate they said just vote, but when it arrives to the senator they just couldn't do it. But it is that is improving because it is not that you are in favor of the uh, abort. I don't know that not any woman will like to abort, no? But it is like, it is a changing. It, it is changing that you can decide if you or if not. And, and that is the, 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 the important. But it is, it is because it is also related, related with the public policy. And many people, especially the, uh, well, I was uh, educated in a Catholic <laughs> school, but many of my friends can understand that because, of course, in the in the Catholic, and I don't know if in other religions it is like a, a sin, no, to do that. But it is it, it, the problem is why the law must be necessary. It is because many women don't want the baby, and so most of them just pass away trying to don't have the baby and that's a public policy and why the government must they don't want to have the public policy because it costs a lot of money no you have to see that how these movements are but at the same time you you must see how they are related with mm -hmm. the public policy and the economy and the economy and so it is very hard for example in, in Mexico right now I just can't believe what the, the things that are going in my country. But last week they said that uh, they don't want to continue with the um, care economy of the children. And they are talking that they are going to cancel that because they were a lot of corruption. Uh, corruption. And I said, oh, my God, when I arrived to United Nations, they put an, an example. All this what has in Mexico, even I didn't know it was an example for the world. And now they want to cancel because they are going to pay for the grandparents to take care of the children. But you can't compare how a, a, a grandmother isn't going to make all the food with the nutrition, with the exact nutrition that the baby needs. And the social interaction among the And the, the social interactions. So... Maybe it's a lot of confusion because some one thing is a child care. Of course, we need a child care institutions. Another thing is the love care that you can give it. Really, I hope they don't cancel that. But really, I, I, I just can't believe that. 
because it is it is uh they they compare that one of the best child cares in the world are the ones that we have in Mexico. It's like very crazy. You need child care, but that child care is a very high cost mm. for the government. And because governments, if, every time they want to save money no, for other things or corruption or to pay external debt, no? And so that's why they decrease the development. <laughs> And it's just crazy when you think about that as being, that is the future of the country in terms of those young children mm -hmm. and you're not going to develop them. You're going to leave that responsibility to someone else. Yes. <laughs> Now, we're coming towards the latter part of the show and one of the questions that I ask all my guests is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. So some people speak about hard work, others talk about perseverance or a particular person in their life that helped them become who they are today. Could you share with us a few of the, the factors that you think have contributed to your success? Well, I think it was my parents, but especially my mother, because my mother, well, she was born in 1914, and she always told me that she wanted to go to the university, and she became from a rural area in the middle part of Mexico, in San Luis Potosí, Cerrito, San Luis Potosí, and she she always wants to study medicine. And they didn't allow her because that was for crazy women to go to the university. So she decided to be a rural teacher. And she always uh, goes to her work because she has to go to other places in the rural areas. So they put the, uh, her a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> and so when uh, when she met my 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 father and my father was an engineer and then I was the first daughter and she couldn't have the other children that my other brothers because they passed away when even they they haven't born so uh she always they gave me a very good education but always always she uh, said you must be My 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 father he was an engineer but he works in the light company but at the same time he gives classes at my university and she always says I used to go to that university many years ago when I was a child to have uh, to make a um, bicycle and she always said one day you are going to be teacher of this university so she seeded in seed, your brain yes the seed and and I think that's it is very important how parents. Uh, put the seed but at the same time even the discipline that you have at home and as I told you I was in a Catholic school so the discipline was uh, iron discipline no it's not not like a Montessori no no it's a discipline <laughs> and you have to make the homework and so when so when I arrived to the university it was really very easy and also because uh I think one of the other things that um, I have a my, my husband is an engineer, and her and they uh, uh, my my mo well my mother-in-law that has already passed away. They have she has seven children, but when my my my, my Daniel was seven nine years, his father passed away. 
but my mother-in-law studied in the university. She was chemistry. So she has to go to work and take care of their chi of seven of, children. Of seven children. So when you have this combination and you have uh, you know a husband that has seen that the mother works and all that, well it is it is more easy. Uh, it's what he expects. Yes, he socialized. You socialize and it wasn't a problem that I continue working and also my mother loves my children and so she she was the mother of the the first and the uh, and the second one. The third one is my daughter, but the f <laughs> my first son and my second daughter. Yes, so I didn't have any problem, and well, uh, that's why maybe I could do not only my undergraduate uh, the undergraduate school. I also make the master and then the PhD, and I continue working, and always that's that means a lot of a lot of help that you don't have. Even if you have a meeting at, uh, uh, I used to have meetings around nine o'clock at night when I had problems with the unions because that was also a gender problem. It was very. I was the first uh, director of my of the Economic Research Institute, and I was really very young. I was in that time I was forty two years, and most of them were women, and. It was a problem not only of gender, of also of social class. It was a lot of problem. They make me a lot of things, and so I, I used to put the um, the meetings between nine and ten o'clock at night, and I never had a problem to arrive at one o'clock at my home. No, so you know these these kinds of things, these facilities, improve you to be a better professionist, and of course you love and. The question is, well, it's it's environment that I had, but especially my mother. I think she, it, I was a mirror of my mother, no, something like that. And well, you always have very good friends, and well, <laughs> it, it's that enabling infrastructure, yes, that, yes, and uh, love and support which helps people excel. And I think with. With families and love and, and care, it's not about you, you want each one to succeed. Yes. So you provide the environment or the assistance to help everyone operate. What would you say has been the best lesson during your career? Oh, the best lessons? Well, well, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I I think it's. Uh, being a, a mother, I think it's a, a wonderful thing when you are a, a woman. I have, as, as I told you, three children, and you see how they improve in their lives, in their professional, uh, in, in their professional activities, and also that uh, teaching for me is uh, is lovely. I love to teach in the undergraduates because they are very young. And I would say, like I, I am like a vampiro, like a, I, I can say you, the the blood of the young people, and that brings you a lot of vitality. So uh, that's is a good. And well, now with this program of Asian and African studies, I am learning a lot every day. I learn a lot, and well, I I travel a lot, and I also love to travel. And lastly, as we close the conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young ladies in Africa that are listening to us? Oh, that's <laughs> well. I, well, um, 
I think that if you want to improve your life and to take care more of you, I think you have to fight for a better education. And and sometimes education is, is not that you... Education means since you are in inside of your mother, inside of, of your mom, because that means a lot in how healthy is your mom and how she's going to take care of you when you are just born and you are a little baby. And then uh, you can, you, you only, uh, not only you are the mirror of your mother, but at the same time, you can improve if, if, if you have all this environment around you. And, well, I think you have to fight for a better education. I think that's uh, the best way to improve and to make all what you want. And the liberty of choose what will you like to do is a lot of work. You don't have anything because are given by God. No, no, that's that's not true. You have to work. They put something in you, but at the same time, you have to improve. You have to work. You have to read a lot and try to be and have a, a better life. And and I think that's that's the liberty that you can have as a person, even if uh, and also to to see the when you see uh, how the the world develops, but at the same time your environment to smell the rain, to to see how is the sea, the water, the raining, no. There are many, many things that you just can see around you and the lovely life that, that you have. Thank you very much for sharing a wealth of information today from microcredit through to the, the cautionary practices of it through to generations, advice to women. And we wish you all the very best in pursuing with Asian and African studies and, and spreading the word and, and the knowledge across the continent. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It's a lovely program and my regards to all the African women that are hearing us. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Dr. Alicia Geron, who coordinates the program for Asian and African Studies of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. Mexico.